um, seen into his kingdom, seen with dove's eyes. Um, the uh, Song of Solomon has a scripture that says, Behold, you are beautiful, my, my love. Behold, you are beautiful, you have dove's eyes. And um, there's a song by uh, Misty Edwards that talks about dove's eyes. But uh, what I've realized in this training and teaching and in the walk, there's there's such a great dynamic happens with uh, relationship. And the whole thing about dove's eyes, uh, supposedly the, because uh, I haven't talked to a dove, but supposedly the uh, 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 a dove has uh, the ability to, to be single focused um, and so not distracted. And I, I'm noticing that when I, uh, live um, undistracted with the Father, um, things go much better. Um, when I agree with His agenda, things go much better. When I agree with His ways, uh, it always goes the right way. Um, so, and there's something about His agenda, His ways, and um, since I guess it's His kingdom, um, he knows more than we do, and if we would um, learn to uh, properly relate to him, then things go much better. It's not out of a uh, uh, submitting to a, a more powerful being, even though that's true. Um, if we can relate to him as, um, as father and friend, um, we will have a better understanding of him as creator and king and all the hundreds and probably thousands of different names and attributes he has, but it is a uh, it's an ongoing um, it's an ongoing conversation with him. Okay, it's an ongoing uh, relationship. It's something we can build, and uh, it's something that's available to everyone, and. And it's amazing how many people are not, um, I guess, taking advantage of the fact that we can know uh, the Almighty God um, as as close as we know <coughs> our family. And sometimes it's a bad analogy, knowing family, but <coughs> we can be as close to Him as as our skin, or our breath, or all those things, right? But I'm finding that one, it's the it starts with having the desire to have the relationship. And if you have the, the thought that uh, he's unapproachable, then you won't approach him. If you believe he's uh, busy, well, you won't bother him. Uh, if you believe that he's uh, more <clears throat> invested in other people or other things or other dimensions, uh, you will think that he has no time for you. And all of those are wrong thoughts. And a lot of us are having to renew our minds that <clears throat> that the God who sent Jesus to the earth to to live and die and resurrect for us, he, since he's invested that much, we should realize that um, he he did all that for us individually and us corporately. And um, the value of his investment is, is unmeasurable. And we should equate that value to how he uh, appreciates or values or esteems or sees us that he would do all that um, for little me and little you and, and all of us. And um, we have from now until uh, 
beyond time to to get to know um, this this being, and uh, uh, that's that's the adventure and that's the journey. But I think it all it kind of keys off a of desire, right? Um, if you have your Bibles, let's go to uh, yeah Genesis two nineteen. Um, <clears throat> this is always in the beginning. Uh, this, this this verse talks about when um, God um, brought the animals to Adam so Adam can name them. And looking at this verse here, uh, and if if we could dissect the verse, um, look across time to see uh, um, what happened there, and not just read over the verse, but um, kind of dive into it and kind of <clears throat> kind of like you're watching a movie if you could kind of step through this slowly so um, we know that you know, Adam was there you know and then so he's not like there and put on the shelf and God goes off and does something else but he is there he's watching the father uh, the creator create every every creature and then it says that uh, um, he after he created them all, he brought them to Adam, and so, <clears throat> so again, it's the, the first part of the relationship there. So, um, what does that look like? Was it Adam's in a chair, and it was like uh, a parade, and you know, here we go, this one, you know. But so, you know, the father is uh, initiating the interaction, right? So that's kind of neat for me, thinking like, wow. Uh, it's not me wanting to see God and hoping he's got time for me. Um, you can know right the second that he is looking to initiate with you and he's done everything to spend time with, with us. Um, so he brought the animals uh, to Adam and it says for Adam to see that he would, what he would call them. And so to me, this is kind of like, I don't know if I would trust uh, a brand new creation to name another creation, but this this shows you the relationship and the value that um, God had with Adam that it was a tr a relationship of trust, right? So we get to uh, we we should acknowledge the fact that the Father not only likes us but he loves us, and from that we can start interacting with them and. Um, <clears throat> To me, this is an amazing verse of, 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 a, of a sample of how the Lord wants to work with us um, in his environment, in, in his kingdom, in his place, by his side. And um, this, is, this is a powerful deal. I mean, um, for any of us who have control issues, you can see here that God is very comfortable in uh, sharing this activity. And there's something about the Father that he, he, he longs to uh, share and to have us a part of things, and to, uh, I guess the word is co-create, co-labor, a lot of those co-things. He's into union, he's into oneness. Um, there's obviously his part that he does, and there's our part. Um, I think of this kind of like this divine dance, you know, um, him leading, us following, and then he's so cold and comfortable that <clears throat> he'll let us uh, lead too, you know. So. In this moment of, of creation, um, the Father lets us create with him, right? And here Adam gets the, the 
honor, joy, pleasure, opportunity to, uh, to name these animals which were just created, right? So now he's interacting with something that God created, and we're in that same place that <clears throat> the Father wants us to interact with him, to engage with him in his kingdom. And that's, uh, I think, his desire, uh, and I think it starts with um, we've got to ask ourselves, you know, do we want to um, be that close, be that level of oneness with the Father? It's available, but uh, he doesn't uh, force us. Um, in this point here, he brought the animals to Adam and to, for, for, for a mission and desire. Um, he communicated that to Adam, but it doesn't say that he made Adam or forced Adam to do this, right? Which is cool. Um, but there's so much in our lives that we uh, need to be open to. I guess we don't need to be, but it'd be good for us to be open to. Um, the more that we're open to the Father, the more that we can experience of Him and experience of His of His world, right? Um, and this is how even Jesus lived His life and demonstrated His life here. Um, he in Acts uh, Acts ten thirty eight, He went about doing good because God was with Him. And if we start acknowledging that the Father is with us, um, He's with me in my kitchen. He's with you in your living room den bedrooms, wherever you are listening to this, this Skype message, um, we've got to start acknowledging him uh, that he's he's not off someplace else uh, ruling and reigning. Well, he is doing that, but this whole thing about being omnipresent, that he wants to spend time with us, that um, that we are uh, are in him and, and, and he's in us, and if we acknowledge the reality and start believing that, um, things are different. Um, when you really believe that that the God, the one who loves you the most, <clears throat> is with you, it gives you a whole other sense of confidence, right? Um, a whole other sense of boldness. Uh, but the biggest thing, I think, is is a whole sense of security, right? And again, it's not about, well, I don't see him, therefore he's not there. Well, hold on, we gotta to walk in his reality, and 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 from his perspective, right? And as we start trusting him. Uh, we'll start thinking like him and believing like him and living like him and then we'll start being our true selves and not uh, some some copy of that, right? Um, I I referenced uh, Elijah and Elisha as uh, 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 two other guys that, well, the whole, the whole Bible is, is full of uh, people who have a relationship with the Father, so we can look there. But also in our in our day to day, we we need to find probably that's a good thing. Um, as we're relating to the Father, there's people who have um, different relationships with the Father, and um, um, and it's it's okay to learn from other people of how they're doing and what they're doing with the Father, and how they relate and communicate and, and do things with. Um, I learned a lot from other people who um, have different encounters or experiences with the Father. And when I hear their encounter experience, I can go, wow, that's cool. If you can do that with him, then maybe I can do that with him, right? And so we get to experiment that way. There's a lot of freedom in that when we start sharing that kind of stuff. But when we're looking at Elijah, <clears throat> I think one of the fun verses is James 5.17 that talks about Elijah was a human, or kind of says has the same nature as we did, 
and we look at that verse and then we look back at his life that's recorded in the Old Testament and we look at the miracles and the encounters and the confrontations and, and that whole thing. Um, and we, and we can learn a lot from the, uh, the from Elijah's bio, his biography, uh, what, it, what a life looks like that um, according to the degree of, of trust you have. And, <clears throat> and you'll, you'll see that the whole thing that I, I think one of the theme of, of this uh, session is really about relationship and relating and working with. Um, Elijah had a level of, of um, uh, relationship with the Father and you can see his ups and downs, you know, from there. And I guess from the downs, we need to, to we need to relate and go, okay, well, that's 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 possible. I can be de depressed in God's presence, but I don't have to stay depressed. Um, God always makes a way of escape from anything, um, and there's a way available in Him. Um, a lot of things are not available on the surface, and so we need to. Uh, 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 What's the word? Um, go deeper with him, and like any uh, natural or human relationship, it's we need to uh, do a kind of a give and take, as in give more time to the relationship, and seek uh, to to see uh, ourselves from the other's perspective, right? And the the Bible has given a lot of. Um, um, insight into how the Father sees us and values us, right? And if we will agree with his perspective on how he sees and, and, um, and values us, that'll help us to see him in the right light, okay? And that'll be a good thing. Because it's, <clears throat> I think of, uh, 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 in, in Matthew, when Jesus is, uh, um, talking to his disciples in the whole scene in, in chapter 16 about uh, who do you say that I am and uh, who do they say that I am and the guys respond and then and Jesus goes you know one step closer or more personal and says well who do you say that I am and they all give silly answers uh, but even their silly answers are in how they have been relating to the father it's it's or to Jesus uh, it's it's nice that he doesn't laugh and say no you're wrong no you're wrong no you're wrong but he does say to Peter, "You're right," and he gives him gives us reason. He gives us the the reason why he's right. He's not right because Peter guessed. He says in, in verse seventeen that he is right because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. Again, another sign of relationship there, right? And so we can, you can build your relationship with the Father based upon other people's inputs, which is not very good. Um, and it's not very good for your benefit, right? Or you can have the Father share himself with you, but you have to be open for that, right? And so what happened here to where Peter, who really didn't know that he knew, but he knew, and then he said, right? I think a lot of it's experimenting. And the cool thing about the Father God is you're allowed to... Uh, get to know him which means uh it's a uh, a work in progress it's uh, on the job training it's uh we think it's making mistakes but he thinks it's getting to know each other right um it's kind of like uh the first time i met my first pastor um and 
obviously it's not best to meet people in a group. You can do the initial meeting in a group, but to get to know them is usually one-on-one. So obviously I'd, I'd been a part of this church for a while, but then I wanted to know uh, uh, my pastor because I knew that there were some there were benefits in, in having this man of God in my life. And so then I took the extra effort to call his secretary and made an appointment and, um, and uh, then showed up on time for my appointment and uh, sat in this big leather chair across from his uh, large desk and he was in a leather chair too. And, uh, and uh, I, was, uh, I wasn't shaking, but I, was, I, had a, I had issues with authority, right? I wasn't, wasn't comfortable in the presence of that level of authority. And that was just my pastor, you know. So other authority figures, whether it be coaches or teachers or other people like that, I was uh, um, uh, not comfortable as most because I wasn't, uh, uh, I don't know why. I think I had a wrong fear, right? And so I can still remember the first time, you know, having a list of questions there for my pastor and, and, you know, and I sat there and I said, well, hey, uh, I just said, hey, I said, sir, you know, and he said, don't call me sir. And he gave me what I could call him by. He says, you can call me Jerry. And I thought, no, that's not going to work for me, <laughs> you know, because I, I wasn't comfortable there yet. And so as we got to talk, I, I asked him a question. I said, well, can I call you coach? And he said, well, why do you want to call me coach? I said, well, uh, in my background, I've been in sports since I was six years old, and the, uh, my favorite authority or the authority that had the most impact in my life at that time were my coaches and I'd played football since I was six and so I explained to him that that was really a sign of, uh, of real respect for me to, to him and um, a place of honor in, in my heart and um, so my pastor allowed me to call him coach now I didn't call him coach on Sundays or when we were in public but in our one-on-one time we did that but it took, you know, several meetings to where um, I understood him. Uh, I think he understood me, but I was trying to get to know him. And we need to do the same thing with the Father. We need to enter his kingdom with, you know, uh, childlikeness and, and inquisitiveness and, and really openness, right? He's opened the door and he's waiting for us to come through and, and sit in with him. But all but to say is, in the midst of relationship, that's where relation, that's where revelation comes, okay? That's, that's the, the, the birthing place of, of all revelation. It comes out of, uh, of relationship. So it's, it's all about the R's there, right? It's the relationship leads to revelation and vice versa. The more that you get to know God, the more that <clears throat> you, you learn that you don't know about him. But then there, that's, that should be the, the motive or the extra uh, reinforcement to get to know more about him, right? And this is the whole thing about seeing into the kingdom. It's not about stopping short and saying, oh, I, I see angels, I see the spirit, and I can discern this. You know, that's just some icing, right? But the deal about the, the, the best motivation or desire for seeing in the kingdom is not about, you know, I, I saw, you know, taking names and kicking, no. It's not just about seeing just a report it's about seeing so you can engage more, right? Seeing is really, we've, uh, in, in, in our mindsets, in, in our culture, in our churches, in our Western world, we've elevated seeing into almost, uh, 
you know, professional sport, you know, those who can see are special and those who can't see are not special. And then we've got whole new words and vocabularies and dictionaries based around seeing. And, and then we dissect it into dreams and visions and open visions and all kind of stuff to where that's not the goal. The goal is not to see. The goal is to engage, right? And you don't need... She dropped off. Where did she go? Hold on. Okay, so the goal isn't... Uh, <laughs> the, goal, the goal isn't uh, to say you saw something. The goal is... Um, is to uh, to know to know the one that you're seeing, and hold on a second. <laughs> you're on. You're back. <laughs> go go back on mute. <laughs> you were lost, and now you're found. <laughs> Anyway, and that's kind of where we all are. We need to enjoy our, our foundness, right? And and stay found, stay stay plugged in, and stay unhung up, right? But it is, you know, it's all about relationship, right? So, uh, and the thing is, we have we all have the same amount of time that we we can invest into the relationship with the Father, and it's really up to us what we want to do. But again, it's triggered on desire, right? So how do you do? How do you fan that flame of desire? How do you increase that burn? How do how do you uh, wake up early? And I'm not a morning person, but for you guys on the, on the one coast, you guys are up early for this training. Um, but in your day, you know, you need to carve out time um, to invest in that relationship, right? Um, and then there's there's so there's there's time in your day which you have you know. We mostly have control of our day, and as I say mostly because sometimes when we have to go to a job, we kind of lose control because I have to invest eight hours or, in my case, ten hours someplace. But um, there's there's that, which is one thing. Then there's opportunities that come up, right? And when I think of opportunities, I'm thinking of, I'm segueing into uh, the story about Bartimaeus, um, and this is in Mark 10. Um and so, you know, uh, situations, uh, scenarios, uh, kairos moments, divine encounters come in our lives. And um, we need to learn to make the most of those, right? Um, so so in, in the story with Bartimaeus, one day he's in a crowd, right? He's a blind guy, so he's not moving around a whole lot. He was probably in his spot before Jesus showed up and or walked by and the crowd and the group you know kind of formed around him right and uh, <clears throat> his other senses weren't weren't dull as he had you know probably good hearing and his tactile or his touch was probably pretty good but anyway so somehow he knew it was Jesus and somehow he knew it was, he knew Jesus was the son of David so he had some uh, training right we're not sure how he got that training that he knew um, the attributes of the son of God the son of David he knew that Jesus was able 
to, to take care of the situation. And he knew it enough to where in the midst of uh, not the best situation, but he made a tough, challenging situation something beneficial. And we need to have that same attitude that in every day there's probably um, one or more opportunities to, uh, to go to another level, right? So even in this training session, or if you're listening, you know, 2,000 years from now to an audio that you found. <laughs> anyway, but if you're listening to the audio or live right now, in this moment, uh, we all should be seeking for the, uh, make up a new word, a, uh, uh, a divine door, <laughs> a portal of opportunity, right? I believe there are more portals of opportunities than we, than we can, can imagine, right? Um, but we need to change that. So even in this hour, two hours of time here, there are doors that are, gonna op that are, that are opening and we'll be challenged to go through them. And we need to stretch and have capacity to, to do that. So it's kind of like mm, uh, story time. So um, if we're, well, when I was in college in Oklahoma and um, uh, I was going, I was looking for a church, kind of. Uh, and then a good friend of mine was taking me to churches to get me planted in the church because that was a good thing, being planted in a living area, <clears throat> living, growing body. It's good. Um, and the places he took me, I, I, I thought, you know, anyway, so this is bad, but back in the day, I would go to church. Uh, I always took notes. And back in those days, I had a Revised Standard Bible, a Gideon Place Bible. So I had my Gideon Bible, it was brown, which was free. I had my notepad, and I'd go to churches. I'd sit as close as I could. I would take notes, but the notes I would take were not, well, they were actually really good notes, but notes with an attitude. So on my notepad, I'd have a line drawn down the middle. I have the notes of what the pastor teacher said, and then the others on the, that was on the left, on the right of that line was what he should have said. So I would take notes and critique and then enhance. And so it was a very full notebook. And one Sunday <clears throat> after um, um, my, my routine, I was sitting there in my dorm room reviewing um, their notes or what they had said and what they should have said. And the Lord clearly said to me, uh, what are you doing? And I said, you know what I'm doing. And he says, um, stop doing that to, um, to, my, to my people or my servants, whatever, something like that. And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> you know? And he says, you're critiquing my people. I said, and I said something like, well, they're not doing a good job. And he says, well, that's for me to deal with, not for you to deal with. I said, but, you know, this guy doesn't use the scripture very well, and his depth isn't, you know, so I was just going through all these reasons why, you know, their messages weren't full of life or even full of anything, right? And um, the Lord says, well, you're, you're going to these places for the wrong reasons. I said, I said no, I'm not. <laughs> so this was my relation to the Lord, which was not very good, but we interacted. So he went on and said something like, 
if you would go to a meeting to hear from me, you would always hear something fresh or new, and it would be, um, uh, you know, hear something new, and it'd be for me. And I said, that's not possible because there are people who have who have churches who don't spend time with you. So how can they get a message from you to give to the people <clears throat> if they're not spending time with you? And the Lord did not repeat himself, but it was like he issued me a challenge. <clears throat> so I said, okay, <clears throat> I'm going to take you on that challenge. So the following Sunday, I picked a church where I knew the pastor did not prepare and that he had publicly said that he used uh, Reader's Digest as his uh, input for his biblical homogetics, his, his, his preaching material, right? So I showed up at that church uh, that morning, bright and early, Sunday. Uh, on the marquee, going to the church, it was uh, the title of today's sermon was David and Goliath. I remember, remember this like it was yesterday, and that was a long, this is decades ago. But I walked up the steps into this large facility, and I'm thinking, David and Goliath, there is nothing new in that childhood story about David facing the giant. And so I'm thinking, um, I'm right, and God is not correct, and um, there's nothing new in David and Goliath's story. There can't be, because we've all heard that story, you know, dozens or hundreds of times. <clears throat> so I get in there, and we, we go through the three songs, and I'm, you know, excited to see that I'm going to be right and God's going to be wrong. And I'm waiting for the message, and I want them to hurry up. And as he approached the pulpit, I'm like, and I draw my little line down the paper. And I'm reminded that moment that the uh, Lord says, okay, what did I tell you? If you go to seek me, you'll hear from me, and you'll hear something fresh and new. I said, okay, okay, so I need to, whatever that is, look for you, hear, set my ears for you, or, or focus on you, or do something with you, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll do that. And... Uh, So I uh, kind of got my mind right, or whatever I got right, to where I was trying to focus on the on the Lord speaking and not just the guy in the pulpit speaking. And um, from that time, I was probably 1980 or 81. Yeah, well, that's a long time ago. I'm, hmm, Earth years, I'm old. Anyway, so from that deal, I realized that um, <clears throat> the Father's always available. And the Father is always uh, revealing. And the Father is always uh, making a way. And the Father always has uh, opportunities uh, for growth, opportunities to know Him in every moment, every micro moment, every milli moment, every nano moment of every nanosecond, there's something that we can grow in. Okay, But you have to believe that, expect that, look for it. If you don't look for it, I don't think you'll get it. And this is, again, back to seeing the kingdom. If you have high expectations on the one you're relating to, you will not, uh, well, if you have high expectations on the Father, you will never be disappointed. If you have high expectations on people, 
you'll be disappointed a lot, <laughs> okay? And so in that, sometimes we put our uh, experiences with people uh, onto God, and that's not good because we think God is not faithful, we think God's a liar and all that kind of stuff, and we know that God's a liar and God's faithful. But <clears throat> sometimes we put our interactive experiences onto how this next relationship with the Father is going to be, and that's not a good way to, to know him. So you need to scrap that and get to know him for who he is and not for how you've interacted with other beings. Okay, so don't do that. So back to Bartimaeus. So Bartimaeus, blind guy, midst the crowd, somehow um, hears and finds out that Jesus is coming and coming his way, and he starts yelling. <clears throat> He's yelling things like, Son of David, you know, have pity on me, have mercy on me. And he's yelling loud enough that it's bothering people. You know, so there's a little tip there. Is your lifestyle uh, of, of interaction and expectancy and seeking and growth in the Father bothering people? <laughs> I mean, is, I mean is, is your love affair with the Father causing people to go, what, that's too much, you're a radical. Yeah, that's always a good sign. If, if, if people come up to you and say, uh, your lifestyle bothers me. You may be on the right track, right? I remember when I went, <laughs> went off to Bible school, um, this is the weirdest deal. All of my secular friends thought it was the greatest thing that I would leave my country to go off and pursue something that it was meant a lot to me. All of my Christian friends thought it was I was going too far, <laughs> There were Bible schools in our city. There were Bible schools in our state. There were Bible schools in our country. Surely they were good enough, you know. Um, but when you go for it, you know, you're, it's uh, a, th a thermometer uh, to see what's going on in your life is you can check the pulse of the people around you. In the professional business world, we call it a 360-degree analysis, right? How do others see you? Do other people see you as one who loves God? Woo! Or do they see you as religious? Or do they see you as nice? <laughs> oh, nice. Nice is a bad word in, in the word word. Anyway, how do people see you? Not that you care about their opinion, okay? It's not about caring. It's not about pleasing them. We're not, we're not living to please people. But people have a different perspective on us, and sometimes their perspective, their opinion, is more um, realistic than our opinion of us, right? Sometimes we don't look at ourselves and be honest and, and, and you know, I mean, two, two years ago, three, four years ago for sure, oh, definitely five years ago, five years ago, I took a moment, looked at my life, or looked back on my, on my year and realized I hadn't grown at all. And so I was like, this is not good. Um, if you're not growing, you're you're dying, right? So I felt like I had not grown for a year, which meant I had died for a year, and that wasn't good. I wasn't being negative on myself. I was trying to see, I was trying to evaluate, right? So obviously it's good to evaluate yourself in the, in the lenses of love. But in that, I was like, hmm. So I didn't stay in a pity party. I thought we gotta change this. So I made some radical changes in the following days, months, and years to where looking back on that, and that's one of the values of journaling, you know, I should do journal commercials, but we need to be progressing, we need to be going from glory to glory and strength to strength, and not from uh, mountaintop to valley, you know, that's not 
growth in the kingdom. We can go from glory to glory. Okay, back to Bartimaeus. So Bartimaeus, <clears throat> in the midst of a hostile crowd, um, at least hostile or aggressive against him, um, maybe they were for Jesus, that's, we don't know yet. Anyway, in the midst of that, he is yelling out to Jesus uh, and calling him by one of his titles, Son of David. And that's, you know, you could do a Bible study on that, which would be intense and, and deep and good, and, and, you know, someone can go do that. What does that term, Son of David, mean, you know? It's full of covenant and promise and all kind of things that the Father's promise. Anyway, so hopefully you know the story. Um, the crowd says, be quiet. Jesus says, come to me, you know, and the crowd changes their mind. <laughs> and, hey, he's calling for you, go. Notice in, this, in the story, the crowd doesn't help him, though. People are fickle, you know, don't, don't trust people. They don't help him, but somehow he gets to Jesus. He, he does a statement, you know, it's a powerful thing there, where he says he throws off his garment and he goes to Jesus. You know, it, it's not like he was like one foot away. And there's a whole study about the garment. Um, supposedly in that culture, if you were a beggar, you were given a garment to identify you as a beggar. So you were officially a beggar and people would treat you in a certain way because you had the garment, right? There's a whole thing about garments there too. But let me, let, me, let me back up here. So on the topic of seeing or engaging the Father, there are some uh, mindsets, there's some attitudes we have to, 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 to address. And um, yeah, so here's some wrong understandings, right? Some of us believe that um, the ability to see into the kingdom and to engage with the kingdom, to interact with angels and, and all that stuff that uh, that we we can beg for that, and God will have pity on us, and um, um, and um, if we if we if we live right, then we can earn this ability that He may give us this ability because He feels sorry for us, and um, and if He hasn't given us the ability, it means that everyone else has it and we don't. That's kind of a pity mindset. Um, if you've got pity or self-value or devalue anything at all, you won't receive the ability to engage or see or interact with the kingdom because you think that it's something that's uh, uh, for everyone else and not for you, and you're having a pity party, right? So that pity party mentality stops many of us from interacting with the kingdom, okay? If you think that the ability to see is a, uh, it's uh, uh, that God gives it to us motivated by mercy. Well, I'm great, and you're people. You just repented, so mm, you don't deserve it. That'd be justice, right? But out of my mercy, I'm going to give it to you. Well, the gifts and the laws of the kingdom are not based off of mercy, okay? Uh, the Bible is clear that the just live by faith <clears throat> and not by grace even. Grace is fun, but we don't live by grace. Um, so we don't, uh, some of us think we're too pitiful, and some of us think that sometime, because mercy kind of has a, has a time frame on it, some people think, well, maybe someday I'll get this gift. But seeing the kingdom is not a gift either. <clears throat> okay. Um, you need to <clears throat> realize that the your uh 
right to see in the kingdom, your right to have a relationship with the Father, uh, it comes with your birth. As you're born to the kingdom, you now have a right to see in the kingdom. You have a right to engage with the Father. You have a right as a citizen of the kingdom to, to partake in all of the, the, the benefits of the kingdom. And one of them is engaging or seeing in the kingdom. You've got to believe. Some of us believe that, you know, well, actually, maybe it's just ignorance, right? So we're not going to be ignorant anymore. We all have a right to see. We have a right. We have full access to the Father. It's not like he's busy and we're his kids and we can't bother him during work hours. If we believe that, and some of us do, um, and I'm still dealing with that myself, that, well, he's always busy, you know. <laughs> and so you'll never go see him because you know he's busy doing things, holding the world together, holding galaxies together. So if that's your mindset, you will never think that you're important enough for him to spend time with you or you with him. Um, he is busy, but he's not too busy um, to where he can't make time go because he's out of time, right? So anyway. Or <clears throat> many of us are believing the majority. We're like uh, the crowd who is seeing Jesus, and the crowd is interacting at a level with Jesus, right? And then someone who wants to interact with the with Jesus asks, is trying to, but then the crowd or the majority says, "Oh no, 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 no! Your circumstances are mm, too... Uh, no, no, no! Me first, and maybe we'll get we'll come back to you." And so you believe the majority. You believe that, oh, what are things we believe which are stupid? Uh, we've got to go to New Zealand to sit under the feet of Ian Clayton for us to have greater encounters with the Father. That's a lie. We believe that if we go to that conference that costs, oh, $2,000, that our lives will be changed. That's a lie. We believe if we have hands laid on us by every major apostle, prophet, and teacher, uh, our lives will be different because we'll receive the impartation. That's a lie. Those are lies that we believe in the Christian church and majority thinking. What are those a lie? We believe if we've got 2,500 friends on Facebook, we must be special. Another lie, right? Or if someone has 2,500 friends or multiple pages on Facebook, they must be really special. Another lie. So we've got to not walk in the lies. We've got to... Uh, walk of the truth. We've got to be uh, real to ourselves and real to God and, and real to everybody. And we need to do what <clears throat> Mr. Bartimaeus did. He, um, he got up, you know, the first thing he did, other than continue to shout and continue to press in, to continue to make his desires known, not to the people, because he didn't care about the people, but to the one who could help them, right? So we need to come boldly to the throne of grace because it's, it's the doors are open now. Jesus opened the door. So we need to choose to believe the door is open and go through it. We need to come to Jesus in his garments, right? Not our, our garments. Our garments are things like garments are, are things we put on, which are experiences, you know. So some of us have garments of pride and some of us have uh, all kinds of stuff. But the garment we need is the one that he has, which is, his righteousness. We come to him because he has made us the righteousness of God, right? You can look in Zechariah 3 and 
<clears throat> and the high priest had dirty garments and, <clears throat> and we shouldn't be concerned with what we're wearing. We should be concerned about who he is and what he's made available to us. So we should realize that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And Bartimaeus, his first action other than yelling was he took off his garments. He took off his identity, which he had uh, acquired, and he wanted something else. And we need to do the same thing. We need to take off our garments of our experience and put on the garments which he's provided for us. And the first one he's provided for us is, is righteousness. We have right standing. We, when God looks at us, we need to see ourselves as he sees us, as in perfect. That's so hard for us to believe. We need to see ourselves as beautiful and acceptable and lovable. And um, that's truth, right? We, we need to engage with the Lord, not based upon our understanding, not based upon our reason, and not limited by our, our obstacles. <clears throat> like I said earlier, no one helped Bartimaeus to Jesus. You know, It's great when our brothers and sisters help us understanding stuff or help us with the word or help us you know, even to get to church. Um, but if we put a demand upon them like that, we may... Uh, put energy in the wrong way when we can put that same amount of energy in pursuing him and again the father's always faithful to deliver people we want to be but we're we're not okay and when you find a good friend who's very helpful and faithful and accepting that kind of you know keep those friends you know don't disregard those um bartimaeus um somehow and we don't know how he did this but he, he, uh, he knew, I guess, from having some revelation of, of, of the Son of God, and we know from revelation doesn't come from our thinking really smart. Revelation comes from um, revealed from the Father, right? So Bartimaeus had a revelation of if, okay, the Son of Man has the ability to give me my sight, okay? Hmm. So in himself, Bartimaeus could see that sight was available, right? And so for each of us, we've got to see that sight is available. We've got to see that all things are possible. We've got to internally look at ourselves and go, there are, there's nothing that can keep me from the Father. And there's nothing that can keep the Father from me. So I'm going to live like that, right? and not live the constrained life. And so somehow he realized that. Somehow he realized that seeing was not a gift to be given, but it was a right that he deserved, okay? And, the, and that's, that's a powerful thing there. If you're pursuing gifts, you may or may not get them. But if you have a right, you will have your rights. But here's the deal. So this guy, Bartman, knew he had a right to see he needed to hear it from the master just for confirmation. He needed to hear his rights from the master. Again, we're talking about relationship. He needed to hear from the lips of the one who he knew was able. And if you know the one who's able, who actually loves you, then your confidence is even more so because then you know the one who's able, who loves you, is not a liar, right? But a lot of us don't know him that way because we're not spending time with him to know that everything he says is true for us, right? So once Bartimaeus heard the truth from the one who he knew as the son of David, 
which is a, a title of king and ruling authority, once he heard that truth, every he the lies had no power in his life, right? <clears throat> once he heard that truth, the truth was revealed, then he could receive. Because when he saw Jesus, he says, hey, you know, Jesus says, what, what do you want from me? And he says to him, uh, I guess this is Mark 10, verse 51, and Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Master, let me receive my sight. And so Bartimaeus, this blind guy who's been begging and living this way for so long, had a revelation that we need to have. We seem to receive what the Father's giving. And we need to know what he's giving and what our rights are. Because it's not about giving, he's already gave, right? He's already established our identity. He's already established our abilities. He's already established us in the kingdom. He's already placed us on the throne. But for some reason, we don't believe that. So I would encourage all of us to uh, engage uh, with the Father, to get to know him, and then we'll learn that what he says is true, and we'll learn that he has all authority, and then we'll receive all that we need to live this life and this life of, of godliness. Okay, and that will be good. All right. Um, let's do a wee break here and um, before we go to the next section. Any questions? And if I repeat your question, that's for all the recording devices that we're using. So. If we have no questions, I have more material we can go through. So, uh, yep, Jesus asked Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? So I would say that um, part of our interacting with our father who we don't know that well, we should ask this question a lot, right? So we can understand his capacity that we can get a revelation of who he really is in every area of our life and every area outside of our life, you know, because um, he has opened himself up to us. And and questions <clears throat> are, are, are keys to doors, right? Um, I mean, what an invitation. What, you know, uh, so we, anyway, it's, it's about relationship and, and going deeper to him, you know, interacting. And interaction is two ways. Communication is two way, right? It's you know us speaking to him and him speaking to us, right? And um, the more that our desire is increased, <clears throat> the more. Yeah. So, if you guys have no questions, I have. <laughs> we can go further, but uh, um, I'll pause for one moment. Okay, everyone's gone to sleep, and I'm just talking for those who are coming. For those who will <laughs> be listening to later on. Okay. Would you have any activation for the birthright? The activation for the birthright is your faith. John 3, 3 says that everyone born of God uh, can see the kingdom. First um, John four someplace talks about uh, who was born of God. And I'm, I'm, uh, there's a slide in your deck and, that you have or don't have yet, but 
the activation for all of the things that we have is relationship, right? Whatever the Father tells you that you have and you believe it, you have it. If you read there in Mark in that scripture about Bartimaeus, you realize that uh, Jesus did not lay hands on him. Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. And so this is a tricky part that we don't do very well with in the kingdom. We want God to come down from someplace to show up in our house gathering and to do something for us because we have a victim mindset. And um, that's wrong. Our mindset needs, I mean, God's saying, I've elevated you up. You're my, you're my son and my daughter. What do you need from me? Let's interact on this. And not, don't go wait in a corner and expect me to come find you in the darkness when I've made everything available to you. The Father has not held anything back. And so we need to approach him and say, um, what am I not seeing? Um, my life is hidden in you, right? Uh, if my life is hidden in you, I need to seek. You will find yourself as you seek him. Okay? That's the activation. Seek and you will find. If you seek who you are in him, you'll find him. That's the activation. The seeking, the desire. And the desire and the seeking in him. If you want to find yourself, yourself is in him. Right? He designed you and created you. He pulled you out of himself and put you on this earth. That's wild. <laughs> if you go back to the origin, you know, he's the source. I mean, that, that's kind of matrixy, but he is the source of your life, right? So um, that, that's the activation is, is, is him, right? Um, it's the dove's eyes thing, right? Uh, single devotion to him. If you want to know who you are, who you are is in his eyes. Who you are is in him. You're in him. He's in you. It's that circle. Um, and it's like, well, that's, that's the fun part. But will we be bold enough, like Bartimaeus, to, to yell out in the midst of our circumstances, to yell out in the midst of our experiences, to yell out, I mean, to, to do what we don't understand, right? It is not a natural thing to speak to an invisible being. Not natural. If you limit yourself to the natural, you will not do anything with your life. No one who does extraordinary things with their life uh, limits themselves to the natural. Period. You know, if you want to have the best life possible, if you want to have the thing called abundant life, you've got to step out of the normal and step into Him. And the cool thing is, He. He, him, Father, God, Creator. His arms are open wide, and he's looking for you to come to him. Just like the prodigal son story, the father was looking for his kid to come back to him, right? The father is waiting, you know. This is the enter into the rest, which I prepared for you. The father is is 24-7, our time. His time is all eternity, outside of time. He's expecting you to come, right? He's, he, and so the longing of his heart, right? Um, we have a God who has feelings toward for us, right? 
Our God is jealous for us. Every moment that we don't spend time with him, he misses that, right? And we, we need to realize that um, that's who he is, right? Um, and when we connect, that's, that's, that's life, right? What is life? It's connecting with your creator. That's, that's life, right? <sighs> yeah. All right. So let's look at some dynamics of scene, right? Now I've I've with every session I've kind of hit these pretty hard because we need to, there's the practical there's like that there's the dynamic there's the tactical there's the strategic and on the the tactical piece you know how how do we in the natural we all everyone on this call and everyone listening all was born with a pair of eyes right now I was watching we just got Netflix the other day. Or last week. Yes, we're behind on the technology curve. Anyway, so I was um, looking at a documentary on Netflix. And there was a Netflix documentary by, I think, National Geographic or somebody like that. On on birth. Uh, not birth. On, on children. On, yeah, babies. It was on babies. And it was a one-hour program on the, the first year of the life of a baby. And I thought, hey, I got teaching on that. <laughs> You know, and so um, I felt it was going to be stupid, but then I kept pressing in, and I was watching this program. It's amazing the stuff that that we do as a baby, you know. And what what really gave me this this uh, uh, a greater appreciation and a greater understanding of the words that Jesus said uh, in Matthew eighteen three. It says, "Unless you repent and become like little children." You can never enter the kingdom of heaven. I'm telling you, no one preaches that, you know. And we do some things like, oh, children are happy, you know. But Jesus says, unless, I mean, these are big, these are, this is Jesus, right? These, these are big words here. And, uh, I mean, these are bigger words than actually when he did the whole thing about, you know, unless you eat my flesh and blood, you know. <laughs> you know, and that just, I mean, when he said the flesh and blood thingy, you know, his whole, all his disciples left except for twelve, right? I mean, and Jesus had a major following. He had he had, he had some followers, right? And uh, <clears throat> so his his support team left when he talked about flesh and blood. But here, they were offended even more so, and I think we're offended too. We're so offended we don't even talk about the scripture unless you repent. Okay, it means change. It means come back to the high place and become like little children. You can never, 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 never enter the kingdom of God. And that's that's a strong statement, you know. Um, and so, um, so that that scripture comes to mind, and I'm watching this program on on, on the first year of a baby, right? And um, it's in the handout a bit, but but let me just foot stomp this and and, and make this font two thousand and and bold it and underline it and highlight it. Um, it said during the first weeks, hours, you know, when the child comes out, well, the first thing, oh, it was amazing. When the child comes out the womb, I had no idea that when they do the little slap your butt thingy or whatever they do to make you cry, I thought, you know, I'd watch TV and I'm, I don't remember coming out of the womb. My 
my wife remembers times in the womb, which is that's freaky to me still. But but in the show, uh, when you come out of that environment called the womb, and um, now you when you were breathing in the womb, you were breathing through the little tube thingy. When you come out into this world, you you have to breathe through your mouth and your your lungs, right? Well, they're when you're in the womb, they're collapsed. They're not they're not they're not you know pumping, right? So. If, if the baby does not breathe in and inflate the lungs in the first minute, that baby will not grow up to, to, to function, right? And I'm like, what? We're that fragile? You know? And so, and then if you think about, so what, what it means is, unless, so the baby, unless the baby uh, breathes in, breathes, they're not going to live. And so if we take the analogy to us, unless we breathe in the breath of God, we're not experiencing life at, at the fullest, right? And, um, and when I, I, I first thought about this, not two nights ago, watched the program, but I thought about that we need to, to be resuscitated by the Father. We need CPR probably on an hourly basis. We need His breath flowing through our natural lungs or soulish lungs or spiritual lungs we need the breath of life to live and just like those little babies i was watching in the program <clears throat> if they don't get that breath in the first minutes and they come into this world they don't some of them die right or then they're rushed into this procedure they're pulling you know um uh fluid out of the lungs and they're trying to inflate the lungs it was it's amazing the whole blue baby thingy, and if the breath doesn't come in, the brain starts dying, and everything starts shutting down. Same thing as us. If we don't enter the kingdom breathing his breath, we're not going to grow up mature. So we need to make a focus about breathing, right? Breathing his breath. We need to set ourselves on, come on, let's breathe, right? So, all right, back to seeing the natural. Um, I, you know, so in the natural, uh, through little eyes. Oh, so so yeah. Anyway, so uh, on the program, they were they were they were studying the eyes of the baby, right, in the first first days, and uh, this blew my mind. So uh, you know, light comes into the eye like a little picture diagram, you know, and the the light. Uh, uh, is changed into electricity and it goes to different parts of your brain, right? So in the show, it showed a baby. So, so if light, if 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 babies are not observing and looking, their brain is not formed because their brain is formed based on the light or the electricity that goes to the two parts of the brain, right? So in the show, it showed a baby whose brain was not forming properly because. Um, one of the eyes had a, uh, oh, it, the, the eye was not receiving light. So only one part of the brain was being, uh, was growing, right? And, and so, so then, uh, since one eye was not uh, allowing light in, the other eye was sending light in, and the brain forms by interaction. Ooh, we interaction keyword relationship so the your brain when you're days old well actually all your, well anyway so 
when the brain is forming, it's formed by the things it sees, the things it interacts with. So a baby who can't run around um, is interacting with the world through its eyes, right? So light comes in and synapses and your brain is being formed by its input, right? And so in this one show, <clears throat> in the show scene, one baby, his um, right, the right eye was not, uh, had a cataract, so light and information was not coming in. Thus, part of the brain was not being formed by the right eye. Now, the brain is like, well, I will not be denied. So it was taking the information from the left eye and not only th not only forming information from on the right, um, well, the, uh, the left eye feeds the right part of the brain and vice versa, right? So the brain was being formed or being you know, formed by only input from the the left eye. I thought well, that that's okay, isn't it? No, <laughs> you need you need to be. In, uh, they didn't say the word balance, but you need input from both eyes, right? So, so the analogy back to us and seeing if you're not receiving light, this be revelation into your being, you're not being formed properly. Okay, and so. So when Jesus says, again, that scripture, be like a child into the kingdom, children, year one, their, their, their brain is formed or set up for the rest of their lives in that first year, okay? And so if you are not engaging the kingdom on a consistent basis, you, there's no way you can mature up to be a son of God. And children naturally or naturally, children instinctively out of the womb start engaging with their environment, okay? So when you're born again, the first thing you need to do is start engaging your environment that you're born into. You were born into the kingdom, and you need to engage the kingdom. Not engage the book, not engage with people, not engage with the world system. You need to engage with the kingdom that you're born into, okay? And that's, I think, one of the messages that Jesus was saying when, you know, to enter in the kingdom, you must become like little children. Little children, children at year one, don't know what they don't know. And they go for it. And they're, they're taking in information, right? We need to be, without fear, stumbling through the kingdom and saying, I've got a parent who's going to keep me from falling, Okay, and if I fall, it's okay because I've not learned about gravity. I've not learned about how my knee goes to the deal. But if I go to the kingdom with that same kind of attitude, like, okay, don't worry about how do I get there. Someone said I can go. Oop, I stepped in. I wonder what's here. Have that sense of wonderment. Have that sense of, oh my gosh, how many angels are there? More than I can count? Well, can I increase my ability to count? <laughs> okay, I can fly here? I thought, no, in this kingdom you can fly. Do I have to fly? I want to walk because when I walk, I'm walking on living things and they're actually communicating to my feet, my spiritual feet. I mean, and so if we stay totally wide open, you know, to every opportunity that comes before us, right? Um, that's what kids do. Kids are never bored, okay? Now they, they showed they did a scene where there were there were children who were born 
are uh, in, in like, you know, they're, they're placed in homes and they, they have little interaction with people, right? They're just laying there on their back in a crib because there's very few people that don't have a mom and dad. And those kids who do not interact, they don't grow up fully functional. So what does that mean? The enemy and stupid people don't want you to interact with, your, with the kingdom of your father. They tell you all these reasons, you know. Don't talk to strange people on Facebook with names like New Mystic because that will lead you to a bad place. <laughs> but we need to take our, our, our curiosity that came from the seed of our, of our new life, go to that safe place called the house which he prepared for us, which is the kingdom of God. And as citizens, we need to learn our rights. We need to go without fear or hesitation. We're not going to be those who, well, in um, Exodus someplace, when, um, when they finally got out of Egypt and they finally got to go meet the one who delivered them, they said, uh, wow, that's a lot of fire on that mountain. Mm, a lot of smoke, a lot of shaking going on. We, the people, believe and we vote, Moses, you go to God and we'll wait here. We are not this generation. We are the generation that goes to the fiery, smoking mountain because we're not afraid of what our senses tell us. We are so drawn by our desire and our love and the passion. And for him, it doesn't matter what we perceive. We're going for it. It doesn't matter all the strange testimonies we've heard from weird people who said, I don't know. <laughs> we don't care about that. We're in hot pursuit for our hot God who loves us, right? That's where we're going. So back to the way we see. So in the natural, um, light comes in your eyes. It, gets, it goes through there. It gets translated into uh, electrical pulses. <clears throat> Images inverted. And the image shows up in the back of your head on a uh, two-by-two screen in the back of your brain, right? And that's how we see. There's a little two-by-two thingy. And so everything that we see in the natural, we don't see on the outside. We see on the inside. That true scientific fact still freaks me out that everything that's in front of me that I think is across the yard, the whole depth perception thingy is something we've learned and grown up with. And uh, everything we see, we actually see in our brain. And, and our brain is so smart, it helps us to, uh, it helps, it will, in its smart little way, it puts all this information and images in a way that we can deal with it, right? Um, but it's in our head, which is still weird, you know? Um, but as a child, um, the child, a baby, is always trying to figure out what their boundaries are. And we, as children of the Most High God, we need to do that too. We need to figure out what our boundaries are, and we'll find out. We have no boundaries. <laughs> but a lot of us think we do. Um, we, we reserve our boundaries because what we've heard or what we've been taught, Right. This is where the doctrine of demons is out there. You know, doctrines of demons and doctrines of stupid people. And we believe both of them more than we believe God, which is sad. Um, okay. 
anyway, but children are always exploring, okay? And that's why Jesus said, be like a kid and you'll explore, you'll find the door, you'll go in and you'll see what, how, how good he is. We'll, we'll, little kids will taste and see how good God is. Adults who think they're grown up will go, hmm, that looks funny. I better not put that in my mouth. And um, that's, that's not true. We should put the Lord in our mouth and taste and see how good he is because he is good. And that's a good thing to keep um, trusting the Lord because the more you engage, the more you get. <laughs> so again, what I would take away from the children thing is if babies do not engage with their environment, they will not be normal, okay? And if, if children of God don't engage with their kingdom, you won't be a normal, in the Father's eyes, son of God. You'll restrict yourself from growth. Growth comes from engagement, okay? You can only mature in the things of God by engaging the things of God, not studying the things of God, not reading about the things of God, not watching videos about the things of God, not reading testimonies on Facebook of the things of God, but actually doing the things of God. We are not mere hearers of the word. We are doers of the word. Okay? If you do the word, you will be changed. That's a good thing. Okay? All righty. So, <clears throat> yeah. So, we, our takeaway is we all have a little uh, thing in the back of our head called the, I don't know, the screen. <laughs> uh, so there's another way we see there's uh, through our imagination, right? Um, I love this quote from Einstein. Um, imagination is more important than knowledge. Well, I love this quote. The first time I heard it, I said, that's not true. Einstein, you're stupid. Well, you know, he's not stupid. Well, he's not here anymore. But anyway, it says, for knowledge is limited to all that we know and understand, while imagination embraces the entire world and all that ever will be to know and understand. Okay, so a good takeaway from that is that imagination is not only important, it's critical, right? <laughs> I mean, wow. And then you got scriptures like, um, um, I guess the good one I like is is how well how the father looks at our imagination. Now we've had teachers and people and even ourselves kind of downgrade imagination. Um, and 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 some reasons are good. I mean, because some people have taken their imagination and um, and live in a fantasy only world, to where their imagination is so it's not powerful. I'll say mature. Um, let me repeat the Einstein quote. So, imagination is more important than knowledge, for knowledge is limited to all that we know and understand, while imagination embraces the entire world and all there ever will be to know and understand. And that was from Mr. Einstein. Um, he's an interesting guy. He visited one time, 
and uh, we didn't talk, but it was just nice to know that he was there. So, um, <clears throat> so your, your spirit and uh, and imagination are two things which are not constrained, right? Um, two things which have the capacity to 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 grow and grow and grow, right? Um, imagination um, has the, uh, doesn't have constraint. Now your brain has a has uh, we haven't maxed out our brain portion yet, um, which has capacity is constrained, but our imagination doesn't have any limits, right? Now, the the good thing is it has no limits. The bad thing is it, it will grow on anything you feed it. Wow, that's good. Let's let's park there for a second. Your imagination will grow on anything you feed it. So, what do you feed your imagination? <laughs> okay. Um, for us who grew up on movies and I, some books, you know, I was a big, uh, um, not a big book reader, but I was, I was a good nerd. You know, I had that strange combination of jock, nerd. So, during sports season, I'm out there in the field, but off season, I'm in my house reading books. And somewhere in there, I got comic books. So that kind of fed my imagination, right? And I went down that sci-fi deal. <clears throat> anyway, so what do you feed your imagination? Some people don't feed their imagination at all. And that's bad. And so, so the question is, is it good to have a, mm, uh, well, there's, there's a perverted, let's say perverted imagination that's active or to have no imagination. Hmm. Well, I don't know the answer to that, but let me say you need to feed your imagination. Okay. Now, let's suppose you don't do that and you say, I don't want to because I'm not sure what my imagination will do and I just want to grow my spirit and I want to be, uh, I heard that I'm a, I'm a spirit who, um, has a soul and lives in a body, and my spirit is from God. Spirit, 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 spirit. Give me spirit only, because I'm a spirit being. Okay, that's pretty cool. Um, except for the fact <laughs> that um, your spirit, which is not limited, which will go do all that, <clears throat> is somehow enhanced, because God created you a three-part being, somehow enhanced with your soul. Your soul learns faster from your imagination because it's they're 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 closer than your spirit. Your soul, your unredeemed soul, untrained soul, rebellious soul, doesn't like your spirit because your spirit knows who it is. Your soul is trying to find out who it is, right? So that's a disadvantage. But your soul is a better student to your imagination than to your spirit. So until you get your soul disciplined, you may want to send it to the school of imagination <clears throat> so it can understand spiritual things and accept spiritual things because the Bible talks about it in Corinthians and Romans that your, your mind is, is rebellious against spiritual things, but your imagination is wide open. Okay, So um, if you watch Star Trek, 
they have a thing called the holodeck or holograph deck where you can go and, and create whatever thing you want to live in in time and space and people and creator things. The same thing as your imagination, right? So if you have a hard time understanding the mightiness of God, <clears throat> put that on pause, go to your imagination and then imagine a awesome, mighty God, right? Feed it with wild testimonies of his mightiness, with stories and scriptures that you don't need to understand or comprehend, but your imagination will take that as data and you can build the mighty God that he is. And then at some point, your mind, will, and emotions will can agree with the being you created in your imagination and you'll go like hey that which i see in my imagination which <clears throat> i believe that that's actually real i'm going to choose to trust him and your spirit will go about time and your soul will say well i'm a little slow and your spirit will say yes you are but i like you anyway so i'm glad you're healed up let's go have fun with the father and now that your soul <clears throat> has been trained by your imagination, your soul, your healthy soul, and your spirit can take your body to the kingdom. Yay. So, that's the fun things we can do with our imagination. Right? That's the power of imagination. Now, obviously, you know, we know we don't need to t teach on the, 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 the wrong things of imagination. But imagination with the right <clears throat> inputs, the right food, can take you, take you places, right? But more importantly, I, I, would, I would say that your imagination can, can prepare you, your body, and your soul to be in full alignment, agreement with your spirit, <clears throat> so you can believe that all things are possible and that uh, your spirit who believes that already, um, you, can be, uh, you can be in full agreement. A house divided will not stand. So if, you're, if your spirit believes one thing and your soul believes another thing and your body is, is wondering what's going on, you will not accomplish what you're called to do on this planet or any place. Okay? So... Um, that's cool. Now, <clears throat> again, every image that you see in your imagination is goes to that little screen in your brain. So the screen on your brain gets images from uh, your eyes and from your imagination and also ding, 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 from your spirit. So so what's that mean? So the common ground is uh, that little screen in your brain. It's receiving <clears throat> the source of everything you engage with is coming from one of those three sources. Sometimes all three, right? And so, wow, what does that mean? Well, <clears throat> um, you got to a busy screen and, and God's designed you with the capacity to handle it, right? Now, you need to tell yourself that and you need to, uh, what's the word, um, uh, grow into the capacity. 
it's like the first time that uh, that uh, you uh, uh, driving, right? So driving uh, in in informal training, or driving or reading about driving, you know, uh, there's nothing much coming in visually, okay. When you get on and then you start practicing driving with your, your parent or your teacher <clears throat> and you're driving on campus or on the property or on little side roads, um, you're now <clears throat> having more images come to your brain and your brain is having to decipher and figure out all the stuff. But then when you move to a highway, and some of you that are in the west coast of North America, California, and you have these major highways um, <clears throat> eight lane or ten lane highways. I used to live out there. And I think it was eight lane highways. The first time I went there, my mind could not comprehend all of the movement because your brain is taking in all that, and your brain is is compartmentalizing and, and running that. So the first time a person does that, you have to adjust to it. But we have the capacity to adjust. When I moved from the United States to England and everything was on the other side of the road, I had to adjust to that too. Some people adjust faster than others. We had people that <clears throat> moved over and uh, they did not adjust as fast and they stepped out into moving traffic and got hit by cars because they were looking to the right to the left versus left to the right and didn't realize cars came from the other direction. Um, <clears throat> even they knew, but they didn't practice. So practice is very important, especially with engagement in the kingdom, right? So <clears throat> seeing with your spirit brain, eyes, spirit eyes, right? Come on, throat. Uh, <clears throat> something I wanted to say real quick, which is, which is new. So seeing the natural, you are limited to chronos or to natural time time space your imagination can function in chronos uh, natural time and also kairos time which is out, outside of time which is we'll call it god time your spirit has full access to to uh, kairos or, or god time okay and so <clears throat> now so living in your imagination that helps your body to adjust to um, being out of time your body because it's on earth and earth is in a time zone is kind of bound to time but it's not uh, uh, that bond that bond to time can be broken okay what does that mean the natural uh, aging right um, scientists will tell you that there's no reason why your skin cells and uh, bone density, all those things should happen, right? Um, but the reason why is because you're bound to time, and time <laughs> keeps on ticking. No, time is, is working with your natural body. But if you teach your body from the school of imagination, but upgrade to the school of the spirit, and take your body to the spirit, you can bind your body <clears throat> to eternity or kairos time 
and have the effects of non-time affect your body, which means your body can experience uh, eternal life too. And that's a work in practice too, because you got to deal with your conscious and subconscious and all levels of belief, because the first time you hear that, you don't believe it, you know? The first time I heard that um, you could take communion and change your DNA, I thought was stupid, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that you could take communion and tap into eternity, and eternity, eternal life, I could experience eternal life now, and eternal life could do things to my physical body, to my immune system, to everything, that I would let that affect me. <laughs> so there's, there's stuff that we get to do, right? We get to be a part of. All right, so spirit eyes. Um, yeah. Um, again, another source of images to your brain, right? Now, the thing about <clears throat> all these images that go to your brain, whether through your eye, your natural eyes, or through your imagination, in um, your imagination, you know, every time you close your eyes, any images you see in your mind's eye, your eyes close, that's your imagination, putting images there, right? So things from your memory, that's your imagination. That's pulling, that's your imagination pulling from your database. You have a database in your brain and throwing things that you want to see, you know, because you see inside your head, not outside your head. So you can close your eyes and see, right? Um, so spirit eyes, uh, spirit images, how we see. Um, good things, we can choose, right? Um, we can set your mind on things above. We can choose what we want to see. We can choose whether we want to see only from our imagination. We can choose whether we want to see a combination, imagination and uh, natural. We can choose the natural imagination and spirit all at the same time. That's very confusing, but you can do that. I, I don't know why you want to. And then even technology has this deal thing he called, this is a trip. If you can Google this, it's called augmented reality. <laughs> and there is technology in that you put on these glasses and you see stuff <laughs> in your reality. It, it adds things to what you perceive. It is so spiritual, it's ridiculous, but it's just technology crossing over or helping us cross over. It's just stupid. But go down that path if you want to. It's cooler research. A-U-G-M-E-N-T-E-D reality. Find a little research there. Anyway, spirit eyes. We can, we can play in time space. Uh, Kairos time space. God time space. Um, space and time are really connected. That's an Einstein thingy, but I've, I've found that to be true that time is not separate from space and space is not separate from time but you can go explore that yourself but it's 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 there to, to play with um wow so that's just true true true, true. cool um oh well, ephesians 118 good verse the eyes of your understanding this is paul praying he's saying i pray that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened that you may know is the hope of your calling, of his calling for you, uh, what the riches of glory for the whole saints. So we need to see 
but do not limit your seeing to um, um, to what you think you know. And that's where we kind of get caught up into. We get caught up into um, I I I I will see things I know, but that will limit you because then you'll never see things you don't know. There's lots of things we don't know, right? So you got to accept that you don't know everything. Or you can't do the, well, that can't be true because I don't know that. Well, that limits you to your experience. Or <clears throat> what I'm learning to do is to, to believe first and uh, ask questions second, which is a big change for me. I used to ask questions to you were run away. I would interrogate you till you, you know, pass out or interrogate whoever, you know. And then once I interrogate you, I still wouldn't believe you. <laughs> and I would judge it. But so Jesus didn't operate that way. And um, I, uh, <clears throat> you know, we need to get to know Jesus, how he lived on earth, because that's how we get to live on earth, right? He's our model of how to live with the Father, on this planet. That's the way you should live. Every other model is, I guess, we're defective, right? He's the perfect model. And he's made it where we could do what he does. So I, I was talking to a friend and I said to my friend, I think I can make the case that Jesus did not see in the spirit, but he perceived everything. That all his senses were engaged. It wasn't about, I see that angel, can you see him? And we have bragging rights that I can see angels and you can't. It's not about that. His full engagement was with, his full concern was with, what does the father say about this? What's the father doing? Father, 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 father. And based on his relationship with the father, that's how he interacted with everybody else. Okay. So when everyone wanted him to be someplace, he would either check in with the father. Father, should I be there? What do you think? Or he'd already spent time with the father and knew where he should be. So he could engage with the people and say, no, I'm not going to the feast today. Well, when are you going? I don't know. I'll get back to you on that. If we started living like that, our life would be totally different, you know. All our decisions will be different. And yes, you get to blame it on the Father. You know, but don't do this one. Uh, I need to know in an hour. If you don't tell me in an hour, I'm going to do, do what I want to do after an hour. I'm giving you a time limit. Well, that's not good because God's not in our time thingy, right? But if we live or if we want to start, and you may want to start practicing this. Don't, don't go 24 hours because that, you know, you may not do something like that. But do something like, okay, in this next hour, um, I'm only going to do what I clearly hear the Father showing me or telling me to do. And then be expecting to be led, right? If the hour goes by and you hear nothing, see nothing, sense nothing, that's okay. Because you invested an hour in the relationship, right? So that when you repeat this again, you've now... You've now conditioned yourself that, hey, 
that's a valuable exercise because I know Jesus, my elder brother, my model of how to live life on this planet, he did that. He's really good at it. I probably need to practice some more. So it's another day. I'm going to give God another hour, not of me talking to him, but me relating to him, me engaging with him, me wanting to hear and learn and be changed by him. Right? And so when you start changing your mindset that he is Lord and he's smarter than you are, and he's willing to share his wisdom, insight, and all that with you, you'll go with the intent and attitude to receive something. I found that um, when I'm open for interaction, I receive interaction. When I go and with the show me something or with an attitude, it's not that good. And I guess it's back to that scripture Jesus said, you know, uh, repent, <laughs> point one. Point two, be as a little child. Every little child comes to their parent wide open with, they don't say this, but it is true. Teach me, show me. I'm open, I'm an open, I'm a clean whiteboard, rattle me, um, show me the way. I'm not going to judge. I'm, I don't know enough to judge. <laughs> you know, I think I knew a lot. So I judged God, you know, my early years, I judged everything he said. And, I, and my only reference point was me. That's so bad to 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 compare what the Father is saying to what I know. And I did that all the time. That's wrong. Anyway, so Jesus says in Isaiah, well, Jesus didn't say it, and I, Isaiah said it via the Holy Spirit of Jesus, um, Isaiah 11, um, 2, well, Isaiah 11, Isaiah chapter 11. You can start from verse 1. But in verse 3 it says, and I shall make him of quick understanding. His delight shall be in the reverential, obedient fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, and neither decide by the hearing of his ears. So the branch of, of Jesse, reference to the Messiah, to Jesus, it says here, he doesn't do things by what he sees. He doesn't make decisions of what he hears. I think, well, how do you decide? He decides on a relationship. Father, what are you doing? I'm going to do what you do. If we would commit like that, <laughs> now you have to grow into this. This is not just, you know, one day you're doing your deal. The next day you're 100% doing exactly everything you see the Father doing. No, we grow into that, right? That's the maturity thing. We walk, we, we are open to it, and then we're changed by it, okay? And that's, that's a good thing. Um, Romans 1.17, they just live by faith, not by grace, not by experience, not by mistakes, not by earthly teachings, but by faith. So we need to figure out what that is. Um, we, make sure we don't make seeing into the kingdom our new idol, right? It's got some great words on it, but don't make it an idol. Don't get hung up on, on seeing or sensing, or don't worship people who say they see, or even they do see, right? It's okay. But you may want to focus on being open or willing 
and obedient to do all that you hear, all that you receive from the Father. The more that you do what you, the more you follow those nudges, the stronger the nudges get, right? Um, something that, that, those res that was restraining me was uh, I got to where, okay, God, I'm going to be willing to be, I'm going to be a, an Isaiah 119 person. I will, I'm willing to do whatever you want. I'm open to you, and I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do it, you know. And so, so I got to that place. It took a long time but because I was slow. Uh, so I got to that place, but then I thought, well, I just need to know one thing. I need to know, is this my imagination? Is this a vision? Is this you? Is this one of your messengers? I just need that, <laughs> right? And, and, and so I, was, I slowed down my engagement time or activity with the Father because I just wanted to know the source, right? And uh, what I really, what it, what it really was, I wanted to know the source so that I could, I could uh, defend my activity to people. Because it's really cool when you say, God told me to do that. God showed me. The Father, you know, I had a dream and the Lord, you know, and that, and then we, we point the blame on the Father. And so um, I wasn't doing lots of things because I couldn't tell, right, what it was. And so I've stopped doing that. And so now I'll do stuff. Now, the funny thing is I'll do something and friends and family will say, uh, why did you do that? And I will say, I don't know. <laughs> and they'll go, no, you know why you did it. You, you did it. Well, actually, I'm trying to get to where I don't know, but I'm just believing I'm knowing. And I'm having more fun now on the believing I'm knowing than actually knowing. I'm finding if I wait to know, I won't do. But if I believe it and act really quick, it, seem, it seems to be really cool. I'm getting more more adventures, more exploits out of believing and doing versus believing, figuring it out, understanding, reasoning, rationalizing, repondering, readjusting, then getting around to it. Can you feel that delay there? And even more so, you get the father crossing his arms going, what are you doing? I told you to do something. Why do you need to understand it? Well, um, there is no reason why to understand it. Just do it. The understanding will come. <laughs> okay. Now, I know that's a radical departure for a lot of us, but the more that you, you step out in that, the more that you'll see that it's really cool, right? And there's, there's people around us, you know, either we've read about or Facebook read or video watched, that they're doing stuff. They can't explain how they got there. They're just doing it. Some of them are trying to explain it, but it doesn't make any sense because we're trying to follow their formula and do what they did. and doesn't work, okay? Um, but it's okay to say things like, wow, I don't know how they're doing that, but I'd like to get to the place where I trust the Father enough to do the same thing. Now, if you're still willing and the Father sees that you really want that, he will, he will orchestrate stuff to get you there. And I, I did that one time. 
or I probably didn't a lot of times, but one that's really relevant to me was um, there was a guy, and this uh, Ian Clayton, and he shared a testimony, and I thought that's amazing. I didn't, I couldn't understand how he get uh, survived the testimony, if you will. I saw the fruit of the testimony, and from the fruit, I said, "Gosh, I need that level of." maturity or godliness or whatever of character and I thought and I said to myself I could never get that but because I was looking at the circumstances the Lord arranged for him to go through and he passed the test and he received the reward of the test right and I was like so I kind of went like well good for you but in my heart it was like ah, I like that and to my surprise um, the Lord knew my heart, and um, and 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 spent at least, in my knowledge, at least a couple years orchestrating events so that I could have the same lesson that I heard Ian go through. That I could experience the same lesson, a different way, but the same lesson. And I think I passed, but I'm not quite sure yet. But I experienced the same thing. And I, as I, when I came through it and looked back, and this is why you journal, um, I was like, God, how did you do that? I didn't think it was possible. But I'm learning to take off the, the, the limitations that I put on him, on him working in my life, right? And sometimes I need to out loud say, um, uh, and, and I'm hoping that my out loud words are the same things which are echoing and reverberating in my in my heart. And so uh, heart would be at your conscious level, your subconscious level, and your unconscious level. And and so we need to make sure that what we're saying and what we're wanting is true at all three of those levels. Because lots of us... Um, say one thing, but we believe something in our subconscious totally different, right? And we need to make sure that we allow the Father to touch us at all levels, that we allow the Word to, to, to get us at the subconscious and the unconscious level, right? Um, and I believe the only thing i found so far to, to get to the subconscious and the unconscious level of who we are is is meditation um the lord's way and two being with him okay um and so that 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 changes you that that makes you and because he's the one you know that can uh, uh uh help us um fix our desires right help us have right desires. Um, but we, we need, I mean, uh, I'm really still learning that passion and emotion in his hands and then placed back into our being are powerful. But, but passion um, for the wrong thing is, is powerful. It's powerfully destructive, right? Um, and you can't do what I've done is I just shut down all emotions, all desire, all passion, and try just to do use my will 
And your will can get a lot of places, uh, but not as far as the father is, because the father has emotions, right? Um, but if you can, if you can let him heal your damaged emotions, then you'll have right desires and strong passion, and you're unstoppable, right? And that's a good thing. And then you, you won't be afraid of your desires. You won't be afraid of your imagination. You won't be afraid of your dreams uh, because you've surrendered that part of you that there's no secrets that you're hiding from the Father, right? And you'll, you'll realize that uh, you have shared all of yourself with him. And, and then you'll realize that you can have all of him. And he'll give you the capacity to receive more of him. And, um, and you'll enjoy your, your union, your oneness. <clears throat> so, again, on the scene deal, um, and all the images that hit the back of your brain, right? So, so your brain or your belief system, and I mentioned earlier what you believe consciously, what you believe are your subconscious, what you believe in your unconscious deal, they act as filters. Um, they interpret what the images are doing in the back of your brain, what the, uh, you know, even the things you hear um, that goes in, that, that frequency that goes in your ear is changed into an electric impulse. And that's also a part of the, the movie in the back of your brain, right? So audio and, and visual is all going on on the inside of you. And your brain, your belief system interprets and filters that. That's why um, we can go to church and 1,000 people can hear 1,000 different things because everyone's brain belief system uh, tells them what it thinks you heard, okay? Um, because it's interpreting and digesting and um, uh, doing all that all the time, okay? So this is where we get to train our brain uh, to value, to store, and to recall images from our spirit, right? Um, and this, this is, this is a, an effort that's required that um, uh, you need to be rewired, right? Um, and part of that rewiring comes from really your 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 emotions, your 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 head, your uh, um, I'm sorry, your heart, right? So this thinking process really happens in your heart, right? So your emotions and feelings, <clears throat> and this is why desire is so important because we can set our desires, right? Um, if we desire we set a desire or our mind on the things of God, then that opens us up to new ways. If we have uh, uh, hurt or damaged desires or, or, or hurts and pains and unforgiveness or a broken heart, um, that closes and restricts our ability uh, to do, to explore the kingdom. It limits, it limits us to the familiar. This is where we have people that uh, <clears throat> um, know the truth of these new creation realities and they go into the kingdom, but they stop, right? We're supposed to be ever 
going from glory to glory, um, from strength to strength, uh, ever maturing, right? Um, if you are ruling one mountain now or one city, uh, soon you should be doing 10 cities. Not out of strife, but your capacity is increased, right? Uh, this isn't, uh, I'm bigger now, I'm bigger than you. It's, no, I'm fulfilling my call and destiny. I'm growing up into him, right? Um, there are galaxies, uh, life forms that are waiting for you to grow up, right? If you think that your, your life is just about uh, being sinless on this planet and being a good, a good role model for friends and family and peers and stuff, that's good, but there are d- dimensions and uh, uh, beings uh, that some are, some are created now, some are not created yet, who, who need you there, right? Um, there are angels around you right now that are waiting for revelations which you have not shared or walked in or spoken out loud that they need, right? Um, they don't have the capacity to walk in it and to grow into newer, newer things. But we, um, created the image of God, um, can uh, receive revelation and share revelation, right? And there's revelations that uh, they need for their missions and activities in their, in their timing. And so you've got uh, uh, no, no one's uh, life uh, uh, existence is, is an island. Um, there are things that, you know, you guys on the call, you on the tape, you on the MP3, you on whatever you're listening to, I, the speaker of this tape, need you to grow up because your immaturity or maturity affects me right now, right? And so, so everyone's growth affects everyone else. Everyone's sin or lack of growth or stagnation affects me too, right? So, so it's a, it's a benefit to me to give to, you know, when I'm teaching or talking, to give it all because I'm expecting a return. I'm not demanding a return. I'm expecting a return because as you start walking, if you will, further in the kingdom, um, not only are you benefited, but the body is benefited and I'm a part of the body, right? So as you grow, I grow. As you, as you get to know God in a way um, I'm benefited by your relationship with the Father, right? It's not by you telling me the testimony. That's fun and cool. But as you get to know him as, oh, that's a good way that I, my imagination can think of right now. Um, the one who's able to redeem darkness. That's a wild one. So... The Father wants to redeem areas which are dark through you because you're a light. And as you enter that place, uh, you transform uh, a situation, an entity, a being that was dark into light. And you have the ability to, um, uh, what's that word? Um, or the word's imprint. But it, your life can be the imprint for other 
created beings to, to walk into. So uh, let's pretend like uh, you're hanging out with the Lord, walking. He sends you on an assignment. He goes with you, <laughs> but he sends you someplace. He's with you. Um, and you face a, a, an entity that's not from this dimension, galaxy, whatever, and you are um, representing the king to this new entity. Your interaction uh, sets the uh, foundation for its interaction with the king of kings, right? And so if you interact as, if you represent him the way you know him, then this entity will be able to be prepared to interact with the king kings when they meet. Cool. And that's what we're called to as ambassadors here on this planet um, and ambassadors elsewhere, right? So, you know, in our little natural deal, you know, people were, were a book read by other people, right? So they know God because of us. They know some characteristics of God based on how you treat other people, right? Um, yes, they can go directly to know God, but sometimes we're they and we are lazy and we go, you call yourself a Christian, you know, and they are placing a demand on, well, I expect you to be like God. They don't know what that means, but they say those kind of things. And we get the opportunity to be like our father, right? And hopefully we won't do that in our own strength. We will uh, pull off the strength and the life the father is, is made available um, and that we live in right now. So that's fun. Um, when I, um, so the, the more times that you can uh, um, engage with the spiritual world, that spiritual information which goes into your data banks, which goes, images which go onto your uh, screen in your brain um, that information helps um, rewire your brain helps accept and make um, spiritual things uh, more acceptable to to you and your whole being um, it gets you familiar um, and the you all of you your soul and your body to that other realm where you're eventually going full-time um, and to realize that you know seeing in the Bible Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and all those things but from the father's definition it, it doesn't isn't just your eyes it's all your senses it's your you know your ears and your nose smell touch your tactical you know taste even intuition right um, he wants us to know him with all of that, right? Um, our spirit senses and our natural senses. But we don't live by our senses. We live by faith, right? And in all of this, we're, we have this great, safe and secure uh, I'll say playground in him that we get to practice, right? And it's kind of like uh, the first time you prophesy, you know, you 
you hear something. You don't know how you hear it. You get something. You see something. You feel something. Whatever. Well, you practice by going, hey, is anyone here? Da, 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 da. Right? Then the next time you go up, you think it's that person. You think it's that girl, that guy. You know? You know, the first time as a young person I gave a word to an adult, I had a fear of that person's authority, you know. How could I have a word for that person, right? Um, but when you start practicing, you realize that, you know, who he is with you and in you, it makes you unstoppable, right? And that's a good thing. Um, cool. All right, pause for questions. No questions. Yay, we're all awake. We're all being changed. We're all shaking in the glory. We're being rewired in our brain. Our spirit expanding, greater capacity. Woohoo! Alrighty then. Maybe that's a question? <laughs> yeah, really weird. Try again. All right, Edgar, you're going to have to go to typing. Okay. I can't hear you. Yeah, it's bad, though. All right, trying again. Oh, now you're okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll give you, I'll give you two. So go, go on mute. So um, again, um, one that comes to mind on the jump at the window. Um, so I'm in my dorm room, uh, college, must have been my sophomore or junior year. So something happened, I forget what happened, but I had this strong feeling to uh, throw myself out the window and to kill myself. And um, and it was very strong. And so a lot of people, we, we, we assume that anything that comes from um, outside of us, it must be God because it's supernatural, right? Above natural. And that's wrong, right? So, but it was, it was, it was again, in that year of my life, I was really wanting to engage with supernatural stuff, you know. And um, so when I said that, thought that wanted that, and this strong impression came, I thought it was God because it was supernatural, but everything supernatural is not God, okay? And so what was weird was, I mean, I didn't do it, um, but I thought about doing it because I got this strong thingy, right? And so uh, then I, I thought about it, I said, wait, first of all, God's not a God of death, and so that motivation is death, so that, hmm, that's odd. Odd number two, throwing myself out the window would be stupid because the window is actually smaller than I am, 
So it would take a great effort to break the glass and actually get through the window. And if I did get through the window, I'd probably land in the tree. And so whoever's giving me this idea has not thought it through, right? And then I, I, I kept going through, and I thought, that was, but it was so strong. I had never, uh, I, I didn't know things outside of me could be that clear, okay? Um, now, the first time that I was, uh, uh, had a, a word for a person, I remember this time I was a freshman in, freshman, yeah, freshman in, no, sophomore college. Anyway, I was in Kansas, and I was at about, no, it was ninth, no, Kansas college, uh, probably 1980 or 81, um, had a word for a girl across the room. Um, I knew it was her, well, it seemed to be her, and I seemed to know what it was. It seemed to me, the Im or the impression, and it was, I, I, I used to get things in images first and not words, but sometimes I get words, it, it almost be like a, a typewriter thingy. I could see the words, right? So it was very, I was always visual. I think it was because my imagination was very active from my movies and comic books I read. So that was like, you know, strong, if you will, image ways. So the impression was that this girl had was was upset because her, her and her friend had a girlfriend in the right sense of the word had um, had a falling out for some reason, and I was supposed to tell her that it'll be okay and they'd get back together. So I thought about it, I thought about it, I thought about it. I thought, well, that's not doesn't seem to be scriptural enough, you know, doesn't seem to be special enough, and doesn't seem to be dun 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 enough. You know, because I thought everything that God said was, you know, at the level of let there be light, you know, and and oceans open, and you know, everything he said was that level. But everything he says is important. But if you can compare it, you don't don't compare. So I finally, you know, thought, okay, I think this is God, and I think it's important, and I think it's okay. Okay, so I approached the person and said. Hey, and I, I knew them, but not we weren't best friends. You know, hey, I think God is saying I, that uh, you have a friend that you guys just uh, whatever, and, and uh, you need to get back together. And this girl turned to me and says, nope, uh, all my friends are fine. All the relations are good. Um, I don't know why you're telling me that. Well, I was embarrassed because this is my first time acting on my nudge or impression. I walked back across the room and said, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, I can't believe I was deceived, <laughs> you know, and I can't believe I believed that voice, even though I thought it was God, it couldn't be God, because if it was God, she would have said, oh my gosh, thank you so much, because, you know, I expected a person to validate what I heard from God. Well, um, as I was berating myself for my lack of ability to hear and perceive and to interpret and discern all those things, she walked up and goes, well, I do have my best friend and I um, did have a f falling out, and my best friend is no longer my best friend. And I looked at her and I thought, um, which part of what I said was not true? Well, you know, now you think about it, all of you said it was true. And I'm thinking, you know, I should have learned at that moment there to never trust people, <laughs> okay? So your validation of what is right and wrong can only come from the Father, okay? But we got to learn that. Uh, even bigger than that, I was on campus <clears throat> for my big football team. I was at a Billy Graham crusade. <clears throat> we were on the floor. Our whole team was there. Our, our coach, 
brought the whole team there. We were number two in the nation, and here was the 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 moments of answered prayer for a whole country. Uh, whole country. Well, a lot of people prayed for our team, and Billy Graham gives the uh, invitation. <clears throat> I have a sense of I should go forward. Now I had already been dealing with my salvation uh, for about a solid uh, six years, as in. I do something wrong, feel guilty, and get saved again, you know, just in case. And uh, um, but at this point, I dealt with that. So, th- but this voice said, "You need to go forward," and I said, "No, I am saved." November eighteenth, nineteen eighty-one was the last day I doubted my salvation. So, you're a lying voice, and I'm not moving. So I didn't move. I looked down the, the row, and I, I was watching my teammates fidget. And I thought, guys, go forward. This is your time. This is your time. No one went forward. They get back to the dorm room and uh, go to bed. And I'm wondering why God didn't save my team and do a mighty miracle and stuff. And <clears throat> as I'm about to go to sleep, door knock. A friend of mine comes is at the door. I get out of my bunk bed, go to the door. My friend's bigger than me. My friend's 6'4", six, 6'5", six, massive. I'm only 6'1". And... Uh, <clears throat> he's crying. I'm thinking, oh, and this guy, his name was, his name was Caesar. And uh, awesome, God, manly God, man of God, man of God, godly man. Um, he tells me that uh, a guy just came to his room and asked him why he didn't go forward when Billy Graham gave the, the call. My friend shared his testimony with him, told him he's already saved, da, da, da. And, my, and the other guy said, well, if you would have gone forward, I would have gone forward. And when he said that, I realized that at least on that night, the Lord spoke to two believers to get out of their seat and go for it, even though we were saved, but our actions would have triggered um, at least one person getting saved, and it might have triggered the whole team. Um, but <clears throat> due to my uh, pride, I didn't go forward. Uh, my friend Caesar didn't go forward because he didn't understand why he needed to um, so we both did not go forward and um, I don't know the full implications of that to the almost 100 guys on a, on a national team that seen on TV every week what the implications of to our state to our nation if you know our team would have gone forward that day so that night <laughs> repented and cried and asked God for another chance. I went to the Billy Graham crusade the next night. Um, the Lord says something. I'm quickly obedient this time because of last night. And then uh, the Lord says, ask the guy to go down. I ask. The guy says, no. <clears throat> I'm embarrassed. I tell God never to talk to me again. <laughs> uh, then the guy asks me again you know, something. Then the guy says, I want to go down now. And so... All to say is, you know, uh, it, it's it's a trial and error type deal, right? Um, you hear God's voice, test it. Um, the more you try to be obedient, the easier and clearer His voice gets. And uh, um, um, it, but it's 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 interaction. The more you interact, the easier it gets. If you interact every only on Sundays or when you gather together for churches, then it's, it's not 
That's bad. But if he interacted all the time, getting used to his voice, getting used to his voice in a crowd, getting used to his voice by yourself, getting used to your vo his voice <clears throat> in times of stress, getting used to his voice when it's a really bad time, you know, it's all training for when you really, 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 well, you always need to be obedient. But there are times when it's life and death, right? Life and death of you, life and death of those around you, life and death of, of, of cities, states, nations, right? And that's, the, that's where we're living at, right? A good friend of mine went to, was uh, Bible school with me. Uh, she married uh, a good friend of mine, my classmate. Um, they got married, and um, uh, his mom and dad were my pastors. Um, the mom had an impression one morning that she needed to pray and speak over her new daughter-in-law. She thought she had more time. She didn't do that. An hour later, there was a car crash. Uh, her son and da new daughter-in-law were in the car, and um, <clears throat> her daughter-in-law died. You know, my classmate died. My friend's wife died, and um, and at least one person was alerted to do something about it. And um, so every nudge, um, uh, every testimony you hear about these kind of things, we need to be alert because the Lord. The Lord is a deliverer, and He wants us to do great things for that. And you know, don't get into the well. God could have used somebody else. Yes, He could have, but He wants to use you, right? And so we get to to grow in our willingness. We get to grow in our obedience, right? We get to grow in the gazillion opportunities we have to see that God is faithful, to see if we do trust Him, right? And the fruit of our trust, the fruit of our obedience is not in, look, they raised from the dead, right? I saw my mom, you know, my mom was laying, <clears throat> you know, uh, a week, uh, exactly seven days before my mom died. I was, t I had a, 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 not a training teaching, but a conversation with a guy about raising the dead. Seven days later, exactly, um, I'm at, Laying, neck, not laying, kneeling next to my mom, who was declared dead, and I had my. And the guy's last words to me were, "If you want to raise the dead, you need to practice raising the dead, and so you need to be around dead people, right?" Exactly seven days later, I'm there kneeling in front of my mom, who has a sheet over her face, and now is, do I practice raising the dead, or do I run run away screaming, right? So I practice raising the dead, right? Um, called friends for help in raising the dead. Um, and while I was working on raising the dead, uh, one of my friends said, while I see your mom with Jesus right now talking, and she's really happy. I said, no, because if mom is happy there, she won't come back here. Um, and, and my friend said, well, and my friend was not in the room. My friend was across the state. And... Uh, <clears throat> And at that moment, I felt, you know, some level of, of peace, right? And um, um, and so I stopped my activity of, of trying to raise my mom from the dead. But the the good thing is, when I was there, I there was no fear there. There was some lack of experience, right? Um, there was some doubt because I had never faced death, you know, like that in my face, you know. 
Um, but the test was, uh, the bigger test was um, I had to do, quote unquote, the eulogy you know, a month later. And was I going to talk about who was greater, death or resurrection? And was I going to talk about that in front of my dad, who believes some things, but his wife, my mom, from my brothers and sisters, in front of a congregation who knew my mom, to a general, to all kind of people, right? You know, and I shared, you know, that uh, one of the biggest things my mom taught me, she taught me a lot of things, she taught me to drive, and I said she gave me a lesson on <clears throat> raising the dead. Um, so I'm 0 for 1, and, um, uh, but I'm not going to stop, right? So you need to act on the Spirit's leading, and that will always lead you to, to growth. It may not lead you to seeing the manifestation that you're expecting, but you will always be led into a greater relationship with the Father. Okay? So, that's that. So, I mean, you know, so was there a question is how to test it? What is that? Give me a better question. How to test what? Oh, how do get the physical body outside of time and space? Well, if you get your spirit out of time and space, you get comfortable with that. Then you get your soul and spirit outside of time and space. Then it's easy to get your body out. Okay? Because your body will see that your soul went and came back safe. Your body will see that your soul and spirit went and came back safe. Because what hinders us is, is this fear, right? And confidence. And so you can, you can outside of time and space is, is, is trans relocation. And so that's how, and so you practice by going spirit first. And if you can't go spirit first, you go imagination first, right? And then you get to where you're comfortable with it. How do you test God's voice? You test God's voice by repeating what the voice said, checking it with scripture. Uh, if it fails the scripture test, which means you get no scripture, right? Uh, if it fails the scripture test, most likely not God's voice. The second test is, does it fail God's character test, right? God will never tell you to do something that is outside his character, right? It may be outside scripture. Um, God told a guy to marry a prostitute. The Bible was clear, don't be equally unyoked. But he had a reason behind that. And the guy trusted God and not what his knowledge of scripture was. So as you start walking in relationship, it, it doesn't start with the Lord doesn't say, well, welcome to the kingdom. I want you to fly off the building now. No. <laughs> okay. It's a relationship. You guys will you will walk and grow in your trust. Right? Yeah. So that's how I that's how I test God's voice. But again, the, in John ten, it says that you know my sheep know my voice. Uh, that's not instantaneous, but you get to know it, right? Over over interaction, you you test it. You know, the Lord says do something, try it, doesn't work, hmm. and you go, why didn't that work? And He'll tell you why it didn't work, right? But we got to start walking in it and not. I had a friend one time called me up and said her her dog was dying. Um, help me raise her from the dead. Now, I believe in resurrection, obviously. Um, I believe that God's able. But on the phone call, the wisdom that came to me was, what is your attitude about a cold? And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, you've not, if you've not confronted a cold, 
How do you see yourself confronting death right off the bat? When David hit the Goliath guy, he already killed a, uh, a bear and a lion, right? So we grow in these things, right? So um, all of you have some amazing destinies, right? You're not walking the fullness of your call right now because you're not mature yet, right? What stops you from being mature is growing your trust and confidence in the Father, right? So the little things grow up to be big things. Start doing the little things, right? Do what you know he wants you to do, which is easy, and then you'll get some more challenges. And then you'll go like, that was easy. And go buy the easy button at Staples, you know? That's how it works. I do not have three kids. I have two kids. I actually have one for me and my wife and one for my wife because she was married before I was. Okay. Um, I want to... Wow, our time went wrong time. I want to talk on something real quick. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so we talk on something real quick and then we'll go questions. So the Song of Solomon, <clears throat> um, in the handout that you got or you'll, we'll get, um, and again about relationship, there was something about um, leaning that we need to lean not upon our own understanding. And uh, the Song of Solomon, verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 5 says, Who is this who comes up from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved? And then, you know, in John 13, you got that wild disciple named John who's um, leaning on Jesus, right? Like, who are, dude, leave Jesus alone, <laughs> you know? But in John 13, verse 25, uh, Speaking of John himself, uh, John's leaning his leaning against Jesus, you know, physically leaning on him. Um, there's a place of trust, a, tr a place of rest, a place of support. But we've got to learn, you know. We need to learn to lean upon him. And when that, we'll overcome all obstacles and, and he'll be our breakthrough. This is the way of love, right? So the Bible in Corinthians 13 says love never fails, right? And if you're walking the love of God... If you have a revelation, and the revelation of the love of the Father comes by receiving His love, right? Uh, we love because He first loved us, okay? We love because we embrace and receive His act of love called Jesus coming, living, and dying, and crucifying for us. We believe that act, and we start the relationship. That's the activation, right? But will we let the love of God come through us in our words, in our actions, Right? Will we love him enough to love others, right? Will we love him enough to do what he says? Um, the Bible says that um, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, right? Not you keep my commandments because I'm bigger than you and I'm your creator and you better do it or I'll vaporize you. A lot of us do that way. You know, a lot of us want think that if I do right, he'll love me more. He won't love you more. But if you do right, you will receive more of his love because we're the ones that hinder uh, have the ability to receive or deny the love of God, right? And every act of disobedience or lack of trust stops the love of God from cocooning us, from surrounding us, to being, being one with us, right? Um, there's great freedom through that union with Him, right? That's, that's where we need to get to be, where um, Whenever anything comes our way, we're not looking at to headbutt it. We're looking at it to, 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 Father, 
what did you do in the situation? And then be confident, not be stressed and like, I got to do something now, but okay, I'm going to wait and see what the father does, what he's done, what he's doing, and what he wants me to do. Does he want me to imitate him? Does he want me to do something else? What does he want me to do? This is fun. We have another opportunity to love God by doing what he wants me to do, right? Yeah, I have a new attitude in this thing, right? John eight thirty eight. I tell the things which I have seen and learned at my father's side. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is our model, Jesus. This is what he says. You want to do what I do? Do I, I'm doing what he does. Don't do what I do. Do what he does, right? I tell you the things I... I've seen and learned at my Father's side. Because of Jesus, we now have access back to the Father's side. Just like Adam was next to God when he was naming the animals. We get to stand not only with him, but in him, and more amazingly, him and us. And this is our life that we can live. We need to learn to lean we need to unlearn how to not trust. We need to be a more trusting people in him. People, eh, you know, you can trust the God in people, but people, we're, we're a weird breed. We need to log more hours in, in, in trusting. We need, to, we need to all have testimonies of, you know, how are we trusting God today? Some of us, hopefully, I mean, one of the reasons why I like teaching a seeing topic in a non-seeing environment is you get to exercise your senses in seeing everyone who's on this call. You get to exercise your senses in perceiving the revelation that's flowing out of here. You get to exercise the truth of the Father is with me now during this training and he is highlighting words, thoughts, images, principles, scriptures that that guy is saying or not saying He's putting an emphasis on tone, inflection. He's highlighting something I said an hour and a half ago. This is the trust part, right? You know, some of you, you know, trusting your computer, your laptop, your phone to work, that's faith, right? And that's good. That's a level of trust. You can use that to your next round. But we need to get to where we're learning that God really is for us and not against us. We need to prove to ourselves that Proverbs 3, 5 is true. Lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind. Do not rely on your own insight or understanding. You know, that could be your theme, even though it's my theme, but I'll share it with you. You know, you can have Proverbs 3, 5 for you too. Uh, but this, for me personally, this is an active deal. I was so, uh, in, I guess inbred's a good word, I was so into relying upon my own insight, my own understanding. I'm having to learn or unlearn that and learn to lean. I'm learning to trust. I'm learning to be confident. And when I fail, and I do, I have to trust again. And I, I, I have to... Tell my dog to be quiet. But I have to re-engage and go back. Okay, my standard, my goal, my desire is to lean on him, to trust in him, and to be confident in him. 
And that's what I'm learning to do. And I hope you guys will learn to do it too. Um, I'm learning that in 1 John 1, 3 that, that we, can have, we can be those who say we have seen. We can be those who say we have heard. We can be those who say we have engaged. Um, this is a time that we no longer um, come to him at a distance that we do start that running, you know. It's like David ran to Goliath, like the father ran to the prodigal son. We need to run to the father because he's there. You're walking. Yeah. <laughs> so we're now experiencing a miracle of my wife walking because two days she was not. Okay. Yay, God. Alrighty. Um, Again, all this is about engaging the Father. He, he's the one, um, and he's using so many different things to, to grow us all up uh, into him and into our call, into our destiny. But again, our life is hidden in him, and to know who you are, you, you should know who he is. And if you get to know who he is, if you can start seeing that you can be with the king, because um, the king loves you, king wants to be with you and you should want to be with him then all will be good and uh, that I believe is the full purpose and benefit of seeing into the kingdom is so you can <clears throat> engage with the father and um, and uh, enjoy and live a life of enjoyment from being with him um, I just want to close out real quick on, on meditation. And um, meditating is, is a work because there's stuff we got to do. I mean, Hebrews, no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, uh, meditate is, is a good work that it's one of the few things that addresses, I, I talked about your subconscious and your unconscious. And um, and the, a way to do that is to, to memorize scripture. So areas of his character, areas that you don't know him, um, there's definitely a verse for. Um, but one I think is really good is John 5. John chapter 5, verse 20. It says, The Father dearly loves the Son and discloses or shows him everything that he himself does. He will disclose to him, let him see greater things yet than these, so that you may marvel and be full of wonder and astonishment. So this would be a good scripture to meditate on, that <clears throat> the Father dearly loves the Son. If, if, if you can't say that, like, you know, John the Beloved talked about himself that way, I am the disciple that he loves. You know, if we can't say that in private and in public and know that with great confidence, then that just tells you that you need to work on your relationship with the Father, right? And one way to work on that is to believe the truth that the Father dearly loves you, right? And you can do some Greek and Hebrew word studies on dearly and love and what that means, but um, you, need to, you need to understand that he, he loves you. And because he loves you, he shows you stuff. That's why we can see, is because he's showing that's why we, we see because we're in relationship with a, a God who discloses. Je Jehovah Jireh, Jireh means, means literally to see. He is the Lord who sees. The Lord who sees wants you to see because he sees. How do you get that? From relationship with him, 
right? He, he imparts to you his character, his abilities, his attributes. If you think you can't see, well, that's a lie. You can see. If you're concerned with your lack of ability to perceive what you're seeing, then you go, Father, you're the Lord who sees. You're Jehovah Jireh. You see so that I can have provision. You see so that, because um, provision is tied to seeing your ability to see. But more importantly, I want to see because you see. I want to see because I'm created like you. And it's a right. You, you, I'm born again. I'm born of you. And this is my ability. So talk with him about that. Spend time with him about that. But that's your right. You're born again with the right to see. So as you choose to up, upgrade your brain, rewire your brain on this verse of realizing he loves you dearly and he shows you things that you can expect to see things because he loves you and he shows you things. That's what he says. And he shows you everything that he does. So just like Jesus says, I don't do anything unless I see the Father doing it, you and I should be able to have the same declaration, right? That I'm doing what I see the Father doing. Now, if we can't say that right now, I, I, I put it before you that everyone who is on this planet now, everyone who hears this, can know the God who wants to be with you, who wants to demonstrate and show you what he's doing. That's available to all of us. That's seeing in the kingdom, and that's the best motivation for seeing, because one, it's your right, it's your destiny, and that's the way to live. And, and it goes on the verse and it says, so that you may marvel and be full of wonder and astonishment. Um, you know, so that old cliche, never a dull moment with the Father, right? So here's a, here's a, here's a trick for you or a tip. If you notice anything's getting dull around you, uh, that your marvel level is, is decreased, you're not full of wonder and amazement, that's okay. That's a trigger reminding you to repent and to re-engage with our amazing God. You don't condemn yourself. Just go, whoop, I'm not at the level I'm supposed to be. And you just plug back in, right? That's what your senses are for. They're to remind you where you're at and where you need to be. And that's how you use them for your good, not your detriment. All right. Okay, thank you so much for joining.